With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast World Cup Daily. Day 30 of World Cup 2018 is done. It's an off day for games ahead of the third place game in the final. But not for Brian Strauss and me. We'll debate our World Cup Best 11 as part of our podcast, coming to you daily from Russia through July 15th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by the excellent Jetty Taft of Fox Sports. Onward! Let's bring in Brian Strauss. How are you, Brian? I'm okay, and I've been in Moscow now for a couple days. We still haven't seen each other. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm. That's right. I'm at my. Uh, I'm at my hotel. Been writing all day, um, and I'm outside now uh, because the internet inside the hotel is really poor. But for some reason, standing outside in their little courtyard, which is mostly weeds and lumber, um, but I want to report that there is also in this courtyard a chair made of uh, duct taped empty water bottles. Okay. And the manager of the hotel is very proud of this chair and wants to take a picture of me sitting in it. So this may happen at some point. Okay. It sounds like they're into recycling, which not everyone is in Russia, I've discovered. That is true. I've discovered a few things about Russia. And and yes, we will get to soccer in a second with our best 11. We'll discuss that and uh, the story you wrote on France today. I've discovered a few things about Russia. Did I mention before that this is very much an Instagram country, not a Twitter country? I don't know what that means. You're not on. Yeah, you're not on Instagram. Um, I do not use Instagram. But uh, people here tend, if you meet someone, um, they tend to be on Instagram, but not into Twitter. Uh, And when you think about it, I kind of look at Instagram as a a nicer platform. People are friendlier. It's just about pictures. And Twitter is. I'm gonna gonna get on Instagram. I'm gonna get on Instagram and Instagram this huge friggin' spider that's right here. That's maybe not going with what oh I'm God. saying, but I, no, no, I'm, I'm in, <laughs> I'm just in the wilds right now. Um, I'm sorry. Right, let me think if I have a, let me think if I have a, a Russia observation I've done, I've done, I've talked about how they don't hold doors. Um, I, uh, I was asked today, um, why Americans don't take their shoes off in the house <laughs> and do we sleep in our shoes? Now that is taking it too far. So, so I, I, I sort of, and, 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 and the guy was like, no, like lots of people think this, like lots of, like we talk, this is a joke that we make that Americans sleep in their shoes. And he said that he thinks it's from TV. Right. And, and you never see like when everyone is hanging out at like Joey and Rachel's house to make another friend's reference, did they have a house together? Uh, they had, they had, they they had apartments in the same building. Whatever. Anyway, you never saw them take their shoes off, right? Like Kramer, Kramer didn't burst into Jerry's apartment and take his shoes off, right? So, so, th- so this is a thing. This is a thing that that we uh, we wear shoes twenty four seven. Well, you've stayed at my apartment in New York, and my wife and I put up a sign uh, 
when you come in that says remove shoes, please. Yeah, and 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 your dogs will go ham on you until you do. Correct. <laughs> um, so let's talk about best 11 for the tournament here. I just got an assignment from my Fox Sports producer to present my best 11 on the show we're recording in about an hour and a half. And so I figured I actually have seen every game of this tournament, uh, which I've never done at a World Cup before, which is never usually possible because you're traveling around following the U.S. team and doing all these other things. But I've literally seen every game. Uh, That's remarkable. I I have not so so I will I will criticize your best eleven without making one of my own, which <laughs> which is which is awesome. Which is welcome <laughs> though. Which is welcome. Um, so I've got a four three three here, and I think it's important. The one thing about best elevens that I don't like is when you try to have like you try to shoehorn certain people in there and it's not a positionally sound lineup. Does that make sense? It should be, it should be, it's yes, it should be a team. It should resemble a team that could actually take the field and play a functional soccer game. Right. Yeah. I agree. So this isn't going to be like a, what, you know, there's not going to be a four forward lineup here. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I, in, I'm just saying that in mine, uh, Eden Hazard is a center back. <laughs> That's just it. Jurgen Klinsmann says anyone can play center back. Anyone can play center back. Hey, Ale, play number six against Brazil. Let's let's go. Let's get out of let's <laughs> let's swim in the cold water, bitches. <laughs> so my four three three. My goalkeeper is Daniel Subasic from Croatia. Um, he's, Heroic. Just an incredible effort. Yeah, he's been amazing. They've won two penalty kick shootouts. He was solid in the group stage. He's done it. Uh, one of those penalty kick shootouts on one leg. I mean, that's a pretty straightforward call, correct? Uh, yeah, and that's not to say that 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 Lloris and 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 Courtois and some other guys haven't been excellent. Um, the 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 Lloris save. I don't remember who took the shot, the Belgian shot, but like through through traffic, you know, right. and and Lloris dove to his right, and I mean that that was. One one of the saves of the tournament that stands out. But yeah, you win two penalty shootouts. You drag your team through through you know you you lead a a, a back line and a team through three games like the ones Croatia has survived. You do it injured. You you do it as a talisman. I I, I think I'm with you on that. Absolutely. Right back, Kieran Trippier of England, um, who I would not have predicted would be the best right back of the tournament, but I think he has been the best right back of the tournament. I had uh, would not have predicted. I had no idea who he was. <laughs> I that mean, too. That's been the charm of this England team is 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 guys who, like I think we said, guys who were secondary and tertiary players on their clubs, um, stepping up in in a way when put in a certain kind of environment and given certain responsibilities and, and confidence that have just been wonderful. And 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 you know Harry Maguire is certainly one, but Trippier has been. I mean, I, I'm not the first person to say this, but we haven't seen a player in an English shirt strike a ball like that since David Beckham. He, he just, he, brilliant on crosses, brilliant on set plays, a, a, a threat and a menace from different positions because of the way he can deliver a ball from any part of the field. Uh, I, I just really enjoyed watching him. When I watched England in this tournament, he was the guy that so frequently caught my eye. And uh, yeah, I, I'll be look, I'll, I will spend time looking for him now uh, during the Premier League season. Uh, when obviously before he, he 
he just didn't i didn't notice him so yeah i mean i i feel i feel slightly badly here about not including inspector pavard from france um but he has been very good he's Why? Still, but you got to say inspector pavard so so even if it's just to say pavard because you're not including him you still get to say it so it doesn't no this is true this is true yeah um center back uh my first center back, I've got Dejan Lovren uh, of Croatia, who, uh, as we talked about in yesterday's podcast, has not always been one of our favorites <laughs> with Liverpool. And he's been totally solid in this tournament. Uh, a little bit of a difficult choice between him and Vida, who has also been very good for Croatia. Um, but I'm going to go with Lovren here, who has not been shy about saying that he is one of the world's great center backs now. Uh, I don't know if I'll go that far, but I will say he has been one of the best center backs of this tournament. Yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe Vita has stood out for me, and maybe it's because of the fact that he looks like a bad guy from Die Hard or because of you know, you know what some of the stuff he's done in the offensive part of the field. But yeah, you can go either way. Uh, another center back, Diego Godin. Uh, from Uruguay, and I know he went out in uh, the quarterfinals uh, and didn't get beyond that, but at one point, about midway through the tournament, maybe slightly past that, Godin would have been my player of the tournament, and I, I think it, it's good to recognize how good he was. He is, you know, Dan Lovren might not say this, I think Godin is the best center back in the world. Um, I think both, uh, sorry? Moscow Emergency Services, making your tax dollars work. <laughs> um, both France center backs, I think, deserve a shout. Um, and TT, again, is, I, perhaps my favorite name to say on, on the French team, um, TT. Um, and Raphael Varane have both been excellent. Um, I wonder, uh, Vincent Company. I thought I saw him make some plays throughout the tournament. Um, trying to think who else. Uh, Harry Maguire mentioned him already. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe he's in with a shout. Um, <laughs> Gary Mina, goal scoring uh, tour de force for Colombia. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often you give a team that uh, went out in the round of sixteen some love, but those are some names that jump out. But yeah, I don't have a problem with yours. Yeah, it's it's really tough actually. To all of those guys had good tournaments. I thought Mtiti, if you're going to split hairs, had that bad penalty in the group stage. Um, you know, I actually would have potentially picked for Ron if I hadn't gone with Lovren or Godin. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one. Um, but that's why we make these teams. Uh, left back was actually the hardest one for me to pick. Um, which is which is messed up because anyone can play it. <laughs> um, if Marcelo, you had, would think it would you would think it would be the easiest one to pick. <laughs> Marcelo would be sort of your obvious choice pre-tournament, but then he missed a couple games due to injury, or at least one, um, and and Brazil went out, and I don't think Marcelo was actually that influential when he was in. Uh, in the end, he, I'm... He didn't play, it, didn't play enough. Yeah, just yeah. not enough of an impact. Yeah, yeah. For this, that's for the same reason Vincent Company I, I didn't pick as a center back, because he missed the first, what, three games of the tournament. Um, so Lucas Hernandez from France... Um, you know, we don't have a fun inspector Hernandez nickname for him, but, uh, I think he has been very, very solid and I don't think everyone else has been like even Strinich on the Croatian side hasn't been totally solid. Um, you know, Belgium really didn't have a left back and the one they had closest to it was Vertonghen who certainly had some, 
moments that weren't great. Um, so yeah, Lucas Hernandez. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I also like the fact that uh, France's fullbacks, Lucas Hernandez and Inspector Pavard, like I don't think they even got their debuts with France until the last year, basically. So I, I think it's another example of trust your young guys and Deschamps deserves maybe a bit more credit than he sometimes gets. You know, I'm thinking now and I'm wondering if I would have gone with a, with a, with three in the back just to sort of load up, you know, you could have put Hazard as a, as a, as a left sort of wing back type. No, you couldn't. Or, no, you eh. couldn't. Hazard isn't even close to a back line guy. No, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out a way to get five in midfield. He's not a backline guy, but I'm just saying I'm trying to get a way to get five in midfield. And, well, that's and because this is not a real, because this is not a real team. Then Hazard doesn't actually, in my best 11, doesn't have to play any defense. Correct. But here's what I would say is I have a 4-3-3 here. So I've got a front three, and I think that's actually reflective of the tournament. There's one center forward, and that has been very much what the teams have preferred to use in this tournament as opposed like Uruguay. Uruguay was one of the lone ex, you know, exceptions with Suarez and Cavani being center forwards up top. But uh, most everyone else just had would you one. consider Would you consider Sterling a second forward with England? Um, to some extent, to some extent, like a with slightly withdrawn behind yeah. Kane. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, but I mean, essentially what you're saying is you're, like I have a front three, so I've got Hazard. Well, we'll get to it in a second. Uh, I'm, got- just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that because I'm, my, here's my train of thought, which is obviously um, going straight off a cliff. I, w- without an obvious, without an obvious left back, you're sort of cramming someone in who maybe doesn't necessarily belong at the expense of someone who does. So let's just like, you know, jigger it. Let, let's let's jerry rig it and and yeah maybe not let's move on let's move on uh three uh, three midfielders in my four four three angolo conte is my defensive midfielder do we have any debate about that no okay central midfielder uh kind of box to box guy paul pogba there's a little more potential debate here right potentially who are we talking about let me think um because well, because I know who you're going to name next, and so I, I guess my thinking is because Luka Modric will do anything you ask him to do, right. do it really well, and he can be as he he can play as a, as a number eight guy. He, the guy the guy covers an insane amount of ground. Right. So if he was in that position, that allows you to then to look at someone like you know Hazard, Coutinho. Um, you know Griezmann, who's been very unselfish and 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 has been a, a real a real facilitator. Um, yeah, other dudes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I have Luka Modric as my sort of attacking central midfielder, and Pogba as my box to box central midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel good about that. I like having three central midfielders. This is a little bit of modern tactics, by the way. Would you say that we have fullbacks that can get up? Uh, upfield pretty well um, and, and yeah. be part of the attack. Uh, we've got three central midfielders. I mean, there's no debate on Modric, right? Is is the best attacking central midfielder? No, no, no. Uh, Modric and 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 Conte are clearly on the team. I'm just saying that in your eleven, how we how we use Modric or deploy him 
gives us maybe a different option than Pogba if we don't think that he's right at this level. I would also say that Modric, and I made this point on Fox last night, the Modric that I've come to know at Real Madrid is a an amazing world-class dribbler and passer and vision guy. And the Modric that we've come to know with Croatia in this tournament does more than that. Like He's also a defensive dynamo. He's a leader with Croatia. He's you know, got everlasting amounts of energy. And it's actually very interesting to sort of compare Modric with Croatia to Modric with Real Madrid because it's not the same thing. Yeah, and, and that's a, obviously a reflection of the talent that, uh, you know, people always talk about one of the big differences is that when you're a country, you can't really, you know, you can't really go out and recruit the guy you want. You know, you got to develop him. You got to figure him out. You got to shoehorn him. Or you got to ask a guy like Modric to do a lot more. Um, so, you know, Madrid just goes and buys whoever they want. So I've got a front three. Um, the let's go ahead with the center forward. I'm going to say Harry Kane, um, and it's an interesting debate at center forward because one, we're only using picking one, um, and you could certainly you can make an argument for Lukaku and and even Olivier Giroud who hasn't scored a goal in this tournament, but has been very good, I think, at what he's been asked to do. And Lukaku has been very good at things that are not just scoring goals, setting up goals. But yeah. Harry Harry Kane has scored goals. And I know he didn't yeah, do yeah. as much in the knockout rounds, but I'm going to stick with Harry Kane. He's the golden boot winner. He's going to be. Yeah. You, I mean, it's it's. I would, I would have a really... It's weird because as someone who, as a player, really just cared about goals and if, if you know... The ball. If a, if I wasn't looking at a ball that bounced off my heel and it went in the net, I'd run around and celebrate like I just dribbled through the entire team. So, <laughs> um, I it's weird for me to even like on a on a like on a on a historical personal level, it's really strange for me to like. Well, but maybe. But Lukaku was just really good and really smart and really savvy and just did so many things for Belgium um, and. Uh, it's 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 a tough choice for me, and I'm glad it's yours. <laughs> so we've got a front three. My left wing is Eden Hazard. Right wing is Kylian Mbappe, um, and I'm that causes me to leave Kevin De Bruyne off my best eleven, which is extremely painful <laughs> to do. Uh, but Hazard and Mbappe were terrific in this tournament. Have been terrific in this tournament. And um, I got one name. I got one name for you. Just okay, throw it out there. Denise Cherishev. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's certainly an argument you can make. I mean, um, do I think Cherishev has been better than Hazard or Mbappe? No, I don't. Well, uh, let's, let's, let's think about a few things. Okay. So first, he's scored some spectacular goals. And yes. he has four goals. He has four goals, which is as many as Lukaku. He plays for a team that's much, much, much worse and meant, and, and went much further than anyone ever imagined. I mean, the lowest ranked team in the tournament, a team that their own fans were convinced would lose three games and, and, and exit in disgrace. And this guy was, was just clutch and spectacular and fun. And I think that I would try to find a way to put him in, in my lineup. And it may be... And, and, and maybe I would change my mind after Sunday's game, but it may be in place of Mbappe. Um, you could certainly make that argument because Mbappe was fantastic in one game. 
He was fantastic in one game. I thought he was good against Belgium. Yeah. Um, but certainly, look, he's incredibly skillful. Uh, and uh, he is allowed to do what he does in part because of the um, – and that is our editor, Avi, texting me during the pod. Tell him to stop. Um, but uh, uh, sorry, now a large truck. Really hard. Uh, this is this is really hard to make your concentration. Cherishev, 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 Mbappe, Mbappe, Mbappe. Right. So, and what what Mbappe does is in part uh, permitted by so much of the, the structure and the sacrifice that's performed behind him. And one reason, actually, one reason that maybe you can make a case for Paul Pogba is how much so much of the question heading into this tournament was about his maturity, his willingness and ability and uh, to defer, right? Um, to, 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 be a, to be a role player su- such as it is in France's setup, and Pogba's done wonderfully with that. Um, it, it, it's in Conte's nature to do so. It may not be in Pogba's, but he's done that. But all of that stuff, and also Griezmann being willing to not be the, the finisher, not be the poacher, not be, he's, a, he's one of the, the, the most talented goal scorers in Europe. But he's been asked to do other things in this tournament. He's embraced that. So all of those things have put Mbappe on a stage to be as daring and as devastating as he has been. Um, Cherishev has none of that stuff going for him. And so if this was my 11, I, I would, I would have, have, have a few shots and think long and hard about, uh, about that choice on the right. You know, the one thing I found odd about Cherishev was even after he'd had a very good tournament, his coach like didn't start him in, was it the round of 16 game? <laughs> yes. I, 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 that, that, that does not, <laughs> although, and actually now that I think about it, I, I think I can picture Cherishev playing on the left. So maybe that impacts things as well. I'm trying to remember now, but um, yeah, that, that strange decision doesn't affect my appreciation for the tournament he had at all. Well, very good. Uh, I have to go run and uh, record a Fox show, but uh, this has been a good discussion, and thanks for joining me again, Brian. Talk to you later. All right. Yep. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Jenny Taft. Let's bring in our interview guest here in Moscow. She's one of my favorite people at Fox Sports. Jenny Taft, thanks for joining me. Wow, thank you. What a nice introduction. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure, and I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, congratulations, first, on having a remarkable tournament. Um, I've watched all the Fox broadcasts because I have the ability to do that here. And you have been all over Russia, it seems like. Yes. You have um, been speaking in French, fluent French, to the French team, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, what has your experience been like? This is your first Men's World Cup. How has it gone? Well, it has been a wild ride, but incredible in the same way. I think all of us felt the same way when the United States didn't qualify. There were a lot of questions, what my role would be, would I even be going? I mean, there were times where I didn't think I would be here. And the fear was covering a lot of teams that I have never been around, press officers that don't know my name, they don't know who we are, and we're just one of many in that situation. So that was my... I was a little nervous um, in a good way, though. It's an excitement mm. being a part of this. And then it just slowly, it got a bit better having those interviews and especially with France. I think mm-hmm. it could have, it could not have worked out better for me just to be able to use my French and really mm-hmm. get to know them. And now I actually feel like I have relationships with some of the players and their press officers. And it's exciting to have seen it start with me being nervous and it's ending this way. How many players on that French team have you now interviewed sort of in a post-game mm-hmm. setting 
in French? I have spoken with uh, Griezmann twice, mm-hmm. and uh, I talked to Conte once. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed Pogba in English, which I gave mm-hmm. him the option, but I thought we should do English. Yeah. It's better. Um, I've interviewed uh, Giroud in English, and then who am I missing from the French? Uh, Mbappe. Yeah. I got him. So that was a good story. I ended up saying, all we want is Mbappe. If you guys can do it, they said, no, he's not going to talk to anyone. And I looked over and they said, English, no, like no way. And I said, I will do it in French. Yeah. It'll be really quick. I promise won't won't be more than 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. And they were like, French? Okay. So it ended up being, I think, I haven't seen many interviews with him this tournament. Right. Um, and he was so comfortable in the same mm-hmm. way. I think there's always, French is my second language, obviously. And I, I've never done interviews in that setting. I, I went to a French school growing up, so I've... Hmm been around it but it has not been used or practiced in a while so i was worried that they'd look at me like what are you (laughs) but it felt really natural yeah and getting that interview and just having that moment i think i'll remember that forever it was really cool to see too is like where did you get your french yeah so my i grew up in edina minnesota which is a suburb right outside of minneapolis i went to a public french immersion school so I think there are five different elementary schools in my town Mm -hmm. and French immersion when I was going into kindergarten was only in its third year. So it was a little bit of a risk. I think my parents, both parents don't speak French. I don't really have any French. I mean, I have a little background, um, but I, they weren't able to help me with homework. I mean, it was definitely something that was a challenge. And I remember complaining to my mom (laughs) Because it was hard and the teachers were French-Canadian. They were French and the cultural difference, differences were really hard at times. And she said, this is going to pay off one day. Mm. I don't know how, but it will. And now my mom <laughs> is loving it. She, like every video, Rob Stone gave her a shout out nice. on air. She feels like they're best friends now. So it was challenging at the time, but I, it was a full immersion. I didn't take an English class until fifth grade. No way. So we didn't, we went to recess speaking French. I was an exchange student, uh, in fifth grade as well. Mm-hmm. So I've had, you know, I had a lot of experience with it and it's been fun because two of my close friends I met there and I've been texting them questions. Uh, nice. Hey, does this sound, this is right. Is this the right conjugation? So it's, it's been nice to have that. And I have an aunt who is Swiss, She's from Switzerland, and she as well has been a mentor, someone I'm going to about mm-hmm. some questions. So it's, it's been nice to have. I mean, I always tell uh, young aspiring journalists, if they ask me, you know, what should I be doing? And there's certain things I can't answer because I broke in at a different era than today. But one thing I always say is learn a foreign language. You know, that might be Spanish, that might be French, that might be whatever. But it's going to come in handy in ways that maybe you don't even predict. I feel like now, having had this experience, my husband and I have talked about, well, we have to send our kids to a, some kind of immersion school. It's, uh. It has been really gratifying to be able to use it in this way. Stu Holden and I were joking that we're going to go to French school in LA and be extremely fluent before the Women's <laughs> World Cup. So hopefully we'll be, you know, I'll be even more fluent at that point, but it's been fun to use. So France is in the final. You spent a lot of time around this team. What are some things that you've learned from spending this much time around them that you wouldn't have otherwise? I mentioned this in a report earlier that I went to their first, one of their first press conferences um, pre-tournament. So Mm -hmm. this was 
you know, there's nerves are high. The energy was so different than today. I mean, it was shocking. Even Hmm. from the media and the journalists, I felt like the questions before were just a little negative towards the team. And Mm -hmm. today, the energy, there was laughing. Hmm. Griezmann at one point said, I love the French journalists. They celebrated um, one of the press officers actually retiring after this World Cup. We had a standing ovation for him. I mean, it was this, I've never seen a press conference like that. Hmm. And the players so often talked about the confidence, but how much they enjoy each other. And they've Hmm. come together as one. And I know that was a criticism ahead of this World Cup. Will this team come together? Veterans and a lot of young players. And I feel like they have. It seems like France has had one game in this tournament where they just scored a ton of goals. So the 4-3 against yeah. Argentina in the round of 16, Mbappe had two goals in that game, was just somebody the Argentines couldn't handle. Yeah. Um, what I find interesting is, is that Croatia's had one game in this tournament when they scored a lot of goals, also against Argentina, <laughs> which maybe tells us that as much about Argentina as it does about these other teams, That's because true. France and Croatia have, in the knockout rounds, sort of, aside from the, that one game, gone about it a slightly different way, mm-hmm. you know, with Croatia, they've come from behind in every knockout game. They've uh, gone to penalties in two of them and they've continued to advance to the final with France. They've only been behind for that short amount of time mm-hmm. against Argentina in the second half. And they've been scoring on set pieces against mm-hmm. Uruguay, against Belgium. Um, have they given any indication about how they expect this game to go? This final? They, no one really talked about that particularly, but they did mention a lot about the fact that they've played so much less. And mm. all the players are like, it, at this point, a final, like we are, that is so far from our mindset. We're mm. not thinking that they're going to come in tired. And I loved what Pogba said that in the Euro 2016 final, Obviously, that was a big disappointment for them, but they felt like they had already won it. So they went into mm-hmm. that final feeling really confident because they had beat Germany. So they were already ready. And he said the mindset of that team was was horrible. And we hmm. admit that now. And I think for whatever reason, being able to admit that you went into a final feeling like you already won it right. means how much more confident you are now. So I, I thought that was telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they lost that at home to Portugal yeah. after Cristiano Ronaldo went out early in that game. Everyone assumed that Portugal had no oh, chance. yeah. And that's in their minds mm-hmm. heading into this and game. And they acknowledge it. And they've said it's been something that's been talked about. And it's, I think there's just a, this is our chance. We are not going to be remembered for another second place finish. And I yeah. like that. Like, this is their time. So I feel like it's a good point about the set pieces, but... I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. No, I mean, I I really am looking forward to this final. If it's in any way reflective of this whole tournament, it will be something memorable. Yes, I'd Um, say so. Of all of your travel stories during this tournament, are there some interesting ones? So many travel (laughs) stories. I mean, boy, the travel here has been interesting, Grant. I think we both (laughs) knew that coming into it. I I actually looked at my, my numbers here. Yeah. So with the final included will be 14 matches, mm-hmm. six cities, 18 teams, about 50 reports, wow. 12 flights, five trains, and most of those flights were actually between the hours of 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. So the overnight airport experience here is the most interesting thing about this country. Um, we have to check a 
90 pound camera bag okay. every time. And I have a great crew. My producer, Doc, Dave and Joe, audio and camera, and then Vlad, our security guard. Mm-hmm. It's this traveling circus, but they've <laughs> been looking out for me all the way. 90 pound bag. So we get to the desk. They look at you like, what on earth? How could you possibly think you can check this? Then they ask if you want to pay for it. Yes, we want to pay. Mm-hmm. Then they make a call. Then they w- we wait again. Then we take the bag somewhere else to then have a handwritten receipt. You sh- are you sure you want to pay? Then you bring it back through multiple security. I mean, it is. it makes no sense, and it's such a time waste. So we have had a lot of good times <laughs> at the airport. Um, but that's the challenge. I mean, we knew that coming into this. It's, right. The travel's not going to be easy, and we're right. booking flights based on changes and games. But I think... I will always remember this in a positive way because of the games and the experiences. I mean, this is nothing, I mean, like your typical job, right? Yeah. I mean, like, this is this very intensive, more than a month long thing. What day are we on here, anyway? I know. I have no, uh, what are we at? 36, 37? What day is it? I think we yes. arrived the same day. See? Yeah. So we're going to, I will end with 30, 40, 40 days total. I mean, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and like, this tournament is like, more, you know, it's like twice as long as an Olympics mm-hmm. or uh, a Grand Slam tennis. Oh, and the Women's World Cup was my only real experience, right. and that's and, and that's a, a big thing as well. And I'm totally looking forward to that next For year. For sure, um, but it's a little. There's fewer teams, and it's a little a little shorter. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't thinking about being nervous about being in Russia. But I a lot of the time I found that the people here want to help. There are just cultural differences, but. Mm-hmm. Seeing these places, I mean, seeing St. Petersburg, I've been wanting to be there, you know, to explore. We got to go to Peterhof, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, two days ago. I mean, these are moments that I will always remember. And I think, put the travel aside, Mm -hmm. some not great hotels. (laughs) I've been following your Instagram stories. (laughs) I'm like, how much can I say that there's a gentleman's club in the lobby? And it's Uh, not even surprising because that happens all the time. Um, But some good stories I will always have. Yes. Um, And when you go back, you have this very prominent new role that you're going to be doing. You are the host of Undisputed. Congratulations. Thank you. I am really looking forward to it. My first day is uh, July 23rd. So jumping right into it. Um, I look forward to talking about this experience with them and just something new and challenging. And I'm also still going to be working... uh, as the college football sideline reporter. And I, I don't take these opportunities for granted. I feel like Mm -hmm. we, I just look around and yeah, the travel's been hard, but I'm watching these games and this is the dream job. And I feel so lucky to have this. And I feel like Fox sports has supported me and both of us in this way that I definitely will never take it for granted, but the hosting will be a good challenge Mm -hmm. and then more college football. And then hopefully the women's world cup too. Nice. It's less than a year away to women's world cup, which is kind of crazy. Jill Ellis was here uh, a couple of days ago and we did some interviews and it was good to hear from her and think about how close the women's world cup is. It's coming up, you know, um, with everybody who comes on here, especially people in media, I like to ask them, because we have listeners who are often aspiring media people, what's your story? Like, how oh, did yeah. you get to this job? Boy, so many different angles. Uh, my story is I always wanted to be in sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be a professional ice hockey player. That's probably what I would have told you when I was a little kid. My dad was an ice hockey player. My mom was a speed skater. 
Nice. So I always wanted to be in sports. And that quickly realized I wasn't quite as good as I would have hoped. <laughs> so just being in sports was always so important to me because that's the only way I really grew up. Um, so I went to Boston University, ended up playing lacrosse there, mm-hmm. but worked for the sports TV station, just tried to intern and volunteer in, in as many ways. And Fox Sports North in Minnesota had always, I'd known a few people from there and they just said, Hey, like you can come hang around, volunteer with us. I did a lot of Minnesota state fairs where I was like running a, I want to be a sportscaster booth with all these different people walking around. I mean, you just do what you got to do. Just get in there, get to know someone, work hard. And they ended up remembering me. And that was my first on-air job was a marketing promo gig where I did a lot of live events, viewing parties. Mm -hmm. I was the in arena host for the wild games and the twins games. Nice. So just getting in front of, you know, a camera and getting experience and working crazy hours a lot of the time for not a lot of money at the beginning. And when FS1 was launching, I knew a few people through the mix and I ended up getting an audition and got hired for a desk job at Fox, a news reporter job, which is no Mm. longer yeah, there doesn't exist. exist. And along the way, they just slowly gave me more sideline opportunities, which I'd done a little bit in Minnesota. I did Minnesota links. Um, and you just take opportunities. I covered Mm. supercross for the last five years, which is motorcycle racing. And I didn't know a thing about motorcycles. I knew Ricky Carmichael's name and that was it, but you just do it. And I got so much better from it. And it's been just a wild last five years. Nice. Well, Jane Taft, thank you so much for joining me and good luck in the final. Thank you for having me. Are you going to be there? It's up in the air right okay. now. So we'll see. We have a show for World Cup tonight that night. I've been to every men's World Cup final, every men's and women's going back to 98. So I have memories of France from that 98 final. So hopefully. I hope so. I've gotten close with the FIFA peeps. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jane. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football World Cup Daily Podcast. I'd like to thank Brian Strauss and Jenny Taft, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do. And we'll see you tomorrow. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.